Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Uh-oh. It's March Madness time. The Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith here at headquarters in Atlanta. My main man, Lang Whitaker in New Snow York. Um, yep. Have you guys dug out from uh, Snowmageddon 2017 yet? I can look out my window right now, and there's piles of snow. <laughs> it's like two feet high along the roads. Haven't really dug. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as everyone predicted it was going to be. Right. You know? Well, you didn't have any reason to, to fret. Your, your Georgia Bulldogs didn't sniff the NCAA tournament. Already bounced in the NIT, so now you can really focus in on the teams that matter, like Michigan. Is that a college football others. tournament? No. <laughs> You don't, don't, you don't want it. anything to do with that either. Um, <laughs> but it is March Madness time. NCAA tournament kicking off in full swing all over the United States of America. We'll definitely dig in and talk later in the show with NBA.com's draft guru, Scott Howard Cooper, about who to keep an eye on during the tournament. But, uh, Lang, before we get into uh, full-blown March Madness conversation, there's a little madness going on in the standings in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Down at the bottom, the Portland Trailblazers, Denver Nuggets, Dallas Mavericks, with Dirk rekindling some of his magic from uh, yesteryear. And even the Minnesota Timberwolves and your boy Ricky Gimme Mine Rubio <laughs> playing better. Playing, you know, He's got three straight 20-point games. Somebody says it's the first time he's done that since he was like 12 years old. I think, I think he was playing professionally when he was 12 yeah. years old, too. <laughs> but, I mean, this, still, this, this is getting interesting. They found out, he found out he's not getting traded, and look what happens. I know. I, I said that last night on, on the set with Matt Weiner and Karan Butler that this is his, he's unleashing his revenge now. He's like, hey, by the way, I'm Ricky Rubio, son, and I, and I get buckets. You think the Nuggets can hold on to this thing? I mean, they got a two-game lead right now over Portland. You think they can hold, hold on to that spot? They had a tough schedule. Yeah, up. I was looking at it the other day. I mean, just the next next four games: Clippers home and home with the Rockets, and then the Cavs. Yeah, they've got five road games in a row coming up. They play in these last in these last thirteen games. They play the Rockets three times, yeah, and they play the good. Pelicans three times. Yeah, which maybe you fatten up against the Pelicans, but they got a tough schedule coming up. And I mean, Portland looked pretty good last night. They looked like they kind of found their groove a little bit. They need that. I mean, they, they're playing must-win games yeah. every night. You know, you talk about March Madness. That's March Madness in a nutshell. Portland having to win basically every time they go out to make up ground and then get in that playoff mix and then stay there. You know, down to the to the basically the final night of the season, probably. Yeah. Um, well, they got Shabazz Napier, so they have someone who's used to March Madness. <laughs> I mean, when, it's not just the bottom of the West. I mean, every seed in the Western Conference, basically, except for what? The top two, I think, are – well, and even those no, two I are, mean, No, they're battling for which one of them will have number one. I mean, I, the only team to me that seems like they're locked in is maybe the Grizzlies and Thunder. They're, they're, yeah. You know, they're not going to drop out of the top eight, but they're certainly not 
going to be able to to climb higher than four. Do you think Utah can get to three? They're four games back at Houston. I right don't now. know. Houston's playing really well, man. It's... I think Houston might be locked in that three spot. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know if they can catch the one and two, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to drop. I don't um, think Utah can catch them. So the the Jazz, man, you talk about impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they've even unearthed Joe Johnson. He's out there starting <laughs> and hitting threes again, and I was like, I saw Joe, man. I'm 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 impressed though that that Quinn Snyder has been able to go in there. Remember, you remember the last couple of years, all we talk about is the fact that, man, the Jazz, if they just had a point guard or if they just had that, yeah. they, you know, they'd be, they'd be a playoff team. Well, they've got all of that now. They got everything you need and, and they've pushed and shoved their way into the playoff picture. I'm telling you, that's a team you don't want to see in the playoffs because they got Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, big time rim protector, defensive presence. And Gordon Hayward's playing great. George Hill, when he's healthy, is a, is a huge difference maker for them, and they got a supporting cast that's really filled out and, and playing well right now. Joe Ingles, man, <laughs> like they have these guys who I bet some fans probably don't even know some of the players in that rotation. Oh, guarantee it, guarantee it. And they're all playing great. If you saw Joe Ingles sitting down in, in an airport, you he'd be the last dude on the planet you would guess as an <laughs> NBA player. And that's not a knock on him; it's just a fact. I mean, I, sort of a knock on him, but I it, <laughs> it's true. I don't know. If, <laughs> And as much as you say, like, you know, you don't want to play against Utah in the, in the playoffs, like, I don't know if I'd want to play the Clippers in the playoffs either. And that might be our first round, that Utah Clippers first right. round series. The, um, that the, thing Clippers could be, are, uh, the Clippers have got the struggle face to me still, though. They, I, I feel like they have the... They can't get it right. Kind of, I feel like they have the, let's just hang around and, and just get to the postseason without anybody else getting hurt face on. I mean, but look, let's be honest. Do you really believe... Like if if there's a team you pick out of the Western Conference playoff field, it's going to get on a horse and ride it. Do you think it's? I mean, you really believe it's the Clippers? I'd love to believe that. I just don't trust it. I don't think they're going to win the Western Conference, but I think they can beat. You think Utah they can get on a roll round. and go if, go deep? Yeah, I don't I think don't. they're scared of anybody. And I, you know, I think clearly they they feel like we can go into any arena and win. And I think Chris Paul is kind of also coasting a little bit right now. Uh, I think he knows he has another level he can get to. I, the, the only thing with with them is, I mean, the Thunder's one game behind them right now. I know. I don't. <laughs> I just don't trust it. I don't trust what I've seen from the Clippers so far. I, it's just been too inconsistent. I mean, how many games have they had their their real starting five? You know, I mean they they've been through injuries with Blake and Chris yeah. and. And now they're all there. Yeah. So I don't know. I th- I feel like maybe they they've got another level they can get to. Um, yes. I I just don't trust it. I don't I don't trust what I've seen from them enough to believe that you know. And I and I don't like being in that position of saying, "What Eclipse?" You know. They just I don't. I want to believe in the Clippers. I I want to. I would love for the Clippers to have gotten to the finals at some point during the stretch, which is their the best stretch in their history. With mm-hmm. a you know with a core group that most teams would kill for to have yeah. CP and Blake and DeAndre JJ Redick I mean Jamal Crawford coming off the bench in a lot of places that would be that would be a dream scenario to have those guys all together playing like that but some to me something's missing like something feels like it's off they're a little they they feel like they have, they're a little shallow in terms of their depth I guess I don't know it's, I don't know some something doesn't seem right you know, you know I kind of like. And I know you saw him in person a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I saw him in person last week. Because the Thunder feel like they're kind of like they're a wild card. They're finding their way a little bit. It feels yeah. like um, being in their locker room the other night after the game. They were several guys were singing in the showers, and, <laughs> and like <laughs> it felt like. What are you doing in the showers, uh, man? <laughs> it felt like they were uh, they kind of turned a corner or something. Yeah. They had lost seven straight road games going into that one, and they uh, broke that streak. And oh, well, they won three straight. They 
kind of feel like uh, somebody, one of the guys who travels with him was telling me if you watch Russ's triple doubles, like they all kind of have the same cadence was yeah. the word he used. Like he he gets a bunch of assists in the first quarter, and then he kind of gets the rebound second and third, and then the fourth quarter he kind of gets his points, yeah, or whatever he needs to get. But um, I, I I really like watching them, and I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how do you can anybody stop him in the in the in the playoffs? I don't think they're going to try. I think they're going to make sure that stop the rest of them. Do, yeah, the rest of them don't don't do anything. It'll be interesting. Like I said, the Western Conference playoff race is is going to be very interesting. Again, it bears watching down the stretch of this season who ends up where because those matchups in the first round are going to be what will really tell the story you know who matches up and and what that means for their long-term prospects in the playoffs it's a people forget how long the playoffs go i was looking at the calendar laying mid-april until the end of june is when you know for all that goes on through the regular season that's when we decide a champion is from from (laughs) mid-april until that last basically that last week in june we'll know then whether or not all of this stuff we've watched throughout the course of the regular season means anything, or if somebody gets in the playoffs and turns it up to another level and, and impacts the race for a championship that way. I'm about to uh, – we, we've got a couple of weeks before the playoffs start. I'm about to get ready for my playoff beard. Uh-oh. I'm going to keep shaving now until the playoffs come, but then mm-hmm. I'm going to let it go till the finals. And usually by the draft, I'm, I end up looking like James Harden. So we'll <laughs> 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 see how – got to get ready. Lang, I wonder if – if John Schumann could grow a playoff beard, I don't know. I've never seen the guy with more than stubble on his face. He usually has a, a uniform length from head to chin. <laughs> yeah, from from head to toe. He's got his toe hairs the same length. Smarty Pants himself, John Schumann, joining us this week with the Schumann stat. Schumann, what's happening, sir? Fellas, what's going on? Man, we're good. We're uh, we're better than you. Uh, you muscle bound, shoveling savant. You how how was it digging out of uh, the snow? By the way, it was a good workout. <laughs> good four hour, four hour, uh, four hours of cardio workout. and uh, good work. Good yeah. work. We're talk we're talking playoffs. Shoot, what do you got for us this week? All right, so let's. Uh, we are four weeks away, right, from the playoffs. Let's talk. What players have the most playoff wins in their career? Active players. Oof. So I'm looking at the top ten. Active players mm-hmm. in playoff victories. Let's see how many. Let's see how many you can name. All right, LeBron, 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 D Wade. Le- LeBron is tied for first. Correct. Dwayne Wade is fourth. Mm-hmm. LeBron has 131 playoff victories. Wow. Dwayne Wade about- has 102. He's fourth. Uh, I got a wild card. I got a wild card. Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson, number nine. Nice. Yes. How about uh, Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili? Tony Parker tied for first with LeBron at 131. Ginobili, number three at 126. So you got the top four, and you got number nine so far. What about Dirkalicious Nowitzki? Number 10, 69. Pau Gasol? Pau Gasol, just outside the top 10, Ah. 61. Let's see, who else? Does James Jones count since he's been on like James Jones counts. Yes. This is games the games, <laughs> My games man. victories victories that the guy the playoff victories that the guy played in. James Jones is number five, eighty eight. So we <laughs> have LeBron LeBron and Tony Parker tied for first at one thirty one. Ginobili one twenty six, Dwayne Wade one oh two, James Jones eighty eight. So we're missing Get him, JJ. number six, seven, and eight on the list. Alright. Uh man. Uh one should be fairly easy. One should be fairly easy. This guy is close to retirement. Paul um, Pierce. Paul Pierce. Yeah, right. Paul He's Pierce. Number uh, seven with eighty-four. I forgot. The other um, two are a little little tougher. Think of 
somebody else similar to James Jones mm-hmm. in that he was along for the ride with. Uh, I-, I thought of uh, either Udonis Haslam. Correct, number six. Wow, He's number six eighty-seven. Good to be a heat. Good to be on the heat train, huh? Last one, number eight, is probably the toughest of the of the one to call. Mm-hmm. But this guy, I'll tell you, the hint is this guy was in fifteen wins last season. Mm-hmm. Fifteen wins last season, and was along for the ride with uh, with some uh, a team that did pretty well in the playoffs, player. but never made it to the finals in the sort of mid two thousand. A Warriors player. Correct. Yeah, so it's, it's got to be somebody from last Warriors. year. He was a Warriors player last season. Andrew Bogut? Leandro nope. Barbosa. Correct. Barbosa. Correct. Barbosa, yep. number eight, 71 yes. career wins. All right, how about – That's a hell of a list. Trivia. It is, it's kind of a fun list. After that, is, you have D.L., Gasol, Tony Allen, Jason Terry, Chris Bosh round up the uh, – mm-hmm. You got to tweet that. You got to tweet that list out just to mess with people. After it's the podcast. A, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting See if list. people can, um, can guess that on, on social media. I bet, you the, I bet you people would whiff big time on some of those. All right, so active players um, who have played at least 10 playoff games, who has the best winning percentage in playoff games? Active Should players. be a fairly fairly easy one. Considering, <laughs> you say that after uh, every trivia question. Is it should be fairly easy. <laughs> fairly <laughs> easy it. considering this guy's lack of playoff experience prior to the last uh, couple of years. Uh. Hmm. At least 10 games. At least 10 playoff games. Yeah, because you have, like, Justin Holiday is 5-0 and in the playoffs because <laughs> he's played in garbage time in five, five victories. So maybe somebody like Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving second, 26 oh, Kevin Love. Kevin, Kevin Love, Love, correct. Yeah. 19, 19 wins, 5 losses in the playoffs. Wait a minute. So does, does he get – what about the, the playoffs – Run to the he finals. He missed that he was hurt. No, no, he's the only games he played in. It's only the games he played in. Okay, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So he, he, yeah. Take that. Fun love, fun take that. Everybody else hating on Kyrie and Kevin Love. You guys did pretty good. I'm impressed with how you did. How well you did with the top ten. That was. Um, this is one of your better better weeks. <laughs> <laughs> We're not as big a dummies as we normally. I appreciate that, you. We, we we haven't gotten the uh, the report from you from Sloan. But we'll have to do that live and in person. You got to tell us what what newfangled uh, analytics surprises are on the horizon for everybody in the next but few they didn't years. Have a, they didn't have an advanced snowblower, I bet. <laughs> Daryl Moore, you can't figure out how to keep the snow away. Well, it's been a relatively tame winter if you think about it. So yeah. anyway, well, yesterday was was we were due for some some major snowstorm. Yeah. yeah well, we 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 appreciate you down here and. It's it's cold down here too, Shu. It's just not snowing, but it's definitely chilly down here um, in Atlanta. So we're we're looking forward to spring cranking up. All right, fellas. All right, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, John. Go Hokies. Yeah, John Schumann and the Schumann stat. We knocked it out the park this week, Lang. I feel good about it. I feel great. I feel great about what we did. But Schumann's going to have to uh, step it up a little bit. Yeah, well, he's he's on he's coming down off of All Star and Sloan. He's he's running out of you know he's running out of. Uh, ammunition right now we need to give him a little break maybe <laughs> maybe he can beef it back up in the coming weeks but you know like i said we we mentioned earlier that uh we were going to talk draft prospects with um the guru of college basketball so without further ado here's uh, lavar ball joining us here on the hang time podcast um <laughs> joking of course uh back from his uh 
worldwide tour, Lang. Our main man, Scott Howard Cooper, NBA.com's draft guru extraordinaire. Over in Afghanistan during All-Star Weekend doing some fantastic work. Please uh, find it anywhere you can on NBA.com. Some some unbelievable stories you did, Scott, from over there. Welcome home, my friend, and welcome back to the LeVar Ball frying pan. <laughs> is is Lonzo Ball the number one pick in this draft, do you think? Or, or is that just LeVar Ball blowing smoke about his son? It is a possibility. But right now, Markel Fultz of Washington is the consensus pick. It's mm. not He's not locked in at that spot. Uh, I just think that in talking to front offices, most people give Markel a little bit of an edge. But really, it's open between four, maybe even five guys. It's mm. not just between Ball and Fultz. Uh, Josh Jackson from Kansas, Dennis Smith from NC State, Jason Tatum from Duke, uh, it's as much as it may seem like a Lavar Ball world, and we all know that <laughs> we all know that Michael Jordan is afraid of him <laughs> and Charles Barkley. And, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, Lonzo is in the conversation, but probably not at the front of the line right now. Mm-hmm. Scott, how much of that do you think could change based on the team that gets the number one spot? Oh, there's no question uh, that that's a big factor. It's a little bit more interesting this year. Because in the past, uh, you look at teams that may have a position need, and that's always a right. factor. Obviously, everybody, you know, I'm taking the best guy available. Well, yes, but not not definitely yes. Uh, if you, for example, uh, were set at point guard, I don't know that you take a point guard again this year if you have some other options out there, and there are other options. They just aren't getting as much attention. So there's no question team need. It's only logical, right? Team need has to fit into it at some point. Yeah. Scott, do you, do you feel like, and I, and I know people have talked for the past couple of years about how great a draft this would be based on the high school class and all these guys that would go one and done. Is this a more college-ready group than we've had the past couple of years or maybe last year? I mean, where do they rank in terms of the strength of the entire group? Certainly better than last year, mm-hmm. uh, and as we've seen from the current NBA rookies, uh, this was not 2016 was not a great draft, right. and that that would have been the case even if uh, Ben Simmons had not gotten hurt and some of the other guys had not gotten hurt. It just was not a great year. Mm-hmm. I think what stands out about the group coming up is the depth, and that is every year you talk about somebody that's in the conversation for top three or top five. Uh, they're high school senior. They get into college. They start to play as a freshman. And it's like, uh, no, this reality check. Uh, <laughs> right. this, guy, this guy really isn't that good. And they tumble uh, to the end of the lottery and sometimes completely out of the lottery. Uh, I'll take you back to last season. And we were in October, November, December. And there was a lot of conversation about Scalabissier. Right. Yep. At, at worst, as the number two pick. And I talked to some teams that said he's in the conversation for number one, and he ended up barely sneaking under the wire to get into the end of the first round. And you haven't really seen that this year. And I think that's been one of the most impressive things, that that the players that the teams were most excited about are still up at the top. And so mm-hmm. that's why you're looking at guys, you're talking about players at 8, 9, 10, that last year, what are you been talking about at two and three? So there's right. just a, it's it's a lot more dependable. There's a lot more options at the top this year. There's a lot more depth. Scott, is there a guy you think who 
with a good tournament run can kind of separate himself from from maybe where he's been throughout the year and on the ladder? I think that those are the cases that mainly happen maybe at the end, late lottery, mid-teens, just out of the lottery, uh, and then farther back in the pack. I'm one of the people who tend to believe that the, tur- the tournament showings are, are more for the fans. Right. And, may- and maybe the owners, because the owners see the, what players got the buzz coming out of the tournament, and owners like to win the press conference. They, like, they want to bring the guy up at the podium that people recognize as opposed to somebody who may be really, really good but may not have the name recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, Ben Simmons was not even in the tournament, and he went right. number one. Right. This year, Markel Fultz is not in the tournament, and he may go number one. Uh, you remember a few years ago, Andrew Wiggins did not have a really good tournament. He had one really bad game, as a matter of fact, and he still went number one. So I think that this is a time for other players to help themselves. When you look at the very top, uh, it may move a guy up a spot or two or drop somebody a spot or two. But I don't know that, for example, somebody that, that let's use Lonzo Ball as an example. A lot of people have him at two. Some people have him at one. Some people have him at three. If he, if he goes bad in the tournament, it's not like he's going to drop out of the top ten. It's right. just mm-hmm. peop, there's just been too many games already, uh, and in some cases like Lonzo Ball, games against quality opponents that people have had a chance to measure him. People have done their homework about this guy, and that's, again, just using Lonzo as an example. It's the same thing with Josh Jackson. It's, a, it's the same thing with Jason Tatum. A good showing is not going to jump somebody from 10 up to 1, and it's not going right. to drop them from 1 up until 10. It may move them a few spots. It's going to be more that somebody, people would thinking, geez, I, would, you know, I like this guy for the early 30s. Uh, <laughs> you know, somebody that you would like early in the second round, if, if he gets on fire in the tournament and has three or four really good games against quality opponents, you know, maybe that guy jumps up into the mid-20s or something like that, but not at the very top. I, I just think that that aspect has been overplayed through the years. Yeah. I, Scott Howard Cooper joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast talking draft prospects, March Madness, the whole nine. I I always pick a guy I love, you know, um, Stanley Johnson, you know, last year, um, Aaron Gordon a few years ago. I always identify one guy who, to me, just I like his game and I think, Wow, this dude's skill should translate to the next level, and and I, I'm realizing now that just because you have a skill set that appears that it would you know translate really well doesn't mean you go into the right situation in the league and and will have the kind of start to your NBA career that your skill set suggests. And I'm wondering is Josh Jackson one of these dudes who every I watch him and when I watch Kansas, everything he does to me screams NBA. He can get up and down the floor. He's six seven, six eight. He can handle the ball. He can defend. You know, he can. He, he's not a great shooter, but he's certainly not a horrible shooter. And I'm wondering, this is the kind of guy that should be a can't miss NBA player. You know, and I think uh, Jason Tatum, or however you say his first name, Jason Tatum from Duke. I hear a lot of people talking about him in that same vein, Scott. That you know, he's got. Uh, like I heard, I think it was Jay Billis, one of these announcers, saying he's the best one-on-one isolation player in college basketball. And I'm thinking, you do realize that the NBA is anything but a one-on-one isolation league. Now. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I'm wondering if guys like that are no longer the gems that they used to be in the draft. A guy who, who has, quote-unquote, NBA 
all these NBA ready skills when the fact is you need a guy who can play pick and roll basketball and can operate in a pace and space environment that really is is pre- prevalent around the entire league and defend. I know that that's yeah. not something. I know that that's not something that that jumps out to a lot of people because it doesn't come with stats like being able to say somebody's average. 20 points a game or somebody's at, at 8.5 assists or something. It's, sure. It's a little bit harder to find the metrics, but believe me, the teams and the coaches, once they have a player, sure looks at the defense. And that's how some guys stay on the court, even though they don't put up big offensive numbers. I think you hit on a real key point there, Seku, which is uh, what's, where do you end up? And what style does that team play? And does that fit what your game is? Because sometimes a guy will be a terrific player and uh, just doesn't fit the style of play uh, that that team wants to do. And the other thing when we talk about where do you end up, it's uh, the culture. Yeah. And is this, a, is this a team that has coaches that will develop you? Do they have a uh, front office that has the longevity to, to say, you know, this guy may not be really good uh, as a rookie, but because he's young, a freshman one and done, but you know what? Give him three by the by his third season. He's going to be really good. Uh, we you can't emphasize enough the value of a good locker room. Yeah. Uh, are, there, are there leaders around? Can you give this guy this rookie a locker next to the veteran who at any time can turn and say, "Okay, do you want to do this instead?" Or, or that was good what you did. Or no, no, don't handle yourself like that. All these small details are what adds up. To, to the difference between a good player with talent and and a player who has talent but does not have a long career. I can't emphasize that enough, the culture aspect. Uh, because when you're talking about these players, especially since there are so many one-and-dones, the teams aren't picking somebody to win Rookie of the Year. They're not picking the guy who's going to be the best player in 2017-18. They're saying who's going to be the best player when we look up 8 or 10 or 12 years from now, and I'm going right. to say... He was better than everybody that was still on the board, and that's what you're looking for. So, yeah, where you end up is a huge factor. It's not just your your skill level. Well, Scott, let's flip that then. If, you know, if if Markel Fultz is seemingly the sort of consensus number one pick in the draft, but but in your estimation, who's the best player in college basketball this year? The best college basketball player? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's a, an interesting point because uh, it's it's kind of like we were just saying that you're not looking for the best immediate impact. You're right. not looking for the best player in college basketball either. And so you have guys like Luke Kennard yeah. uh, at, uh, at Duke, who I don't think is going to be picked in the top ten, but is, is really good. Um, I'll tell you, a, a guy that a lot of people like who may not even see the first round, probably won't even see the first round, is Frank Mason. Yeah. And Kansas, uh, who I like a lot myself, but is uh, is small, and so that's a, that's a, a problem. But uh, got a, a ton of good qualities about him. Uh, you're going. It, this happens every year that people that come up in the conversation for College Player of the Year right. aren't necessarily in the conversation for top five in the NBA draft, and and that's where uh, where we where teams, owners, fans can get into trouble sometimes. Again, you don't want to pick the big name. You want to pick the big prospect. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, and and we all watch these guys pick out a guy who you know who we identify as you know could be this good fit here there. I'm here to tell you right now, if 
whoever gets this Malik Monk from Kentucky, and every <laughs> time I watch Kentucky, I know he's skinny, and you know I know he supposedly doesn't handle the ball as well as he should for a guy his size and all that. But the dude gets buckets every single time I watch Kentucky. I'm just stunned at how easy he scores, and I'm thinking a guy like that in today's NBA if he gets to the right place, should be able to do some of those similar things at the, at the next level. And I say that knowing that we've said the same sorts of things about Buddy Heald, you know, when he was finishing up his career at Oklahoma, and he's had a tough transition, um, hmm. you know, first in New Orleans, and now he's playing in Sacramento, of course. But what do you what do you think is the biggest hurdle for these guys, Scott, in terms of, you know, you come from – even if you're a one and done, you come from being the show in college and then having to earn your chops at the next level because they're not handing over teams to rookies, you know, anymore. You know, obviously in Philadelphia, they weren't healthy enough to hand it over to any of the guys they've drafted the past few years. But it's harder to come into the league now and to do basically what Carl Anthony Towns did in Minnesota, where you come in and make an instant impact and show yourself to be not just a good player, but perhaps down the pipeline, one of the best players in the league. Oh, you're so right, and it doesn't happen very often. And when you look at the best rookies this year, uh, it's been Joel Embiid, and he's an older, he's not a true rookie. Sure. And Dario Sarge, not necessarily a true rookie either because he was playing against adults in Europe before he came over. So you're right. When you talk about putting the same expectations on a guy that's maybe 19 years old and had been attending some freshman English class or not attending uh, <laughs> four or five or six months earlier, uh, that's a big, that's a big jump. I think that the Kentucky guys, and and I, I think you make a good point with Malik Monk because he fits into this and, and he definitely is a top 10 prospect. But the Kentucky guys are used to having to fit into a system a little bit more because mm, even a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who went to the NBA and blew up, didn't get to show all of that when he was in college right. because he was playing with several other first-round picks. And it's the same case, uh, Monk, there, there's going to be multiple Kentucky players picked in the top ten this year and could be three going in the lottery. Right let alone in the first round. Some some programs would close down and think it's the greatest thing in the world if they had three picks in the same draft. Right. These guys are going to have three in the lottery and possibly and certainly a very good chance at, at two just in the lottery. Right. So they learn about fitting in and about giving up the ball and about setting screens and finding other ways to stay on the court because these are all obviously very highly recruited guys coming out of high school, but if you don't produce – you don't play as much as you would like. So you know you're not going to get the ball every single time down court because everybody around you uh, is a possible first-round pick as well. Uh, I think Monk has got to, uh, will benefit from that. I think Darren Fox will benefit from that. Um, th- there certainly are multiple occasions of Kentucky players through the years that show up in the NBA and talk about how beneficial it was to know that the world does not revolve around you when you're in college, that you learn right away about fitting into a team with a coach who knows what it takes to play in the NBA. And uh, playing with those expectations, the pressure at Kentucky is enormous. In some cases, I talked to one guy who was saying it's almost, it's almost harder than playing in the NBA when you, go to, <laughs> when you go to college because every single game at Kentucky 
is the end of the world. Right. So, uh, and imagine the experience you get just in the practices, just practicing for Kentucky on a regular basis, as opposed to if you had gone to another school. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no question that Monk and Fox and uh, Bam and some of the other guys have an advantage. Yeah. Kind of the Devin Booker approach is what I call it. You know, that's a great point. Devin, Devin is a perfect example because uh, coming into the pros, people thought, yeah, he's good. Uh, there's no question, and he's picked in the lottery, and everybody really liked how he projected long-term as having a career as a shooter. But uh, he is—he will end up outperforming several players that were yeah, picked ahead of him. No doubt. Scott, uh, this is the first year that I can remember I didn't fill out a bracket because <laughs> I haven't watched any college basketball literally this season. But just curious, having watched all these players and stuff all season, who do you have at the top of your bracket? The top of my uh, tournament bracket or my yes no no your USC bracket. of course well after <laughs> USC wins this whole thing <laughs> you know you sure hate it, it's going to be a sad day around uh, SMU's campus uh, <laughs> we'll have a moment of silence and then uh, then they're going to pick off Baylor uh, so <laughs> you know what uh, if I can only dream yes but in my most honest moments I will tell you that uh, Duke is going to be be a very happy national champion. Ugh. I don't know if I could stomach another Duke championship. Right <laughs> I, I, I was didn't say it was a popular pick. I know. It's like, ugh. But you I asked me my pick. Uh, I have uh, Duke beating Arizona and Kansas beating Carolina, and then in the championship game, Duke beating Kansas. So you don't see a surprise run from UCLA? <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> you're just mean now. Why would you? <laughs> Uh, I I see them winning a couple games and losing to Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, so, but I and if UCLA gets a, a good run going, I don't think it would be a big surprise. Yeah. I don't think that UCLA is a, any kind of dark horse team. Uh, I just don't have them. I just don't have them going that far. I think that they're a good team. I think they'll lose to Kentucky. And that Kentucky will then be the team that moves on. Right. Also, if UCLA went on a run, I mean, we would never hear the end of it from Levar Ball, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm telling you, pack a pack a bag, Scott Howard Cooper, and head down to Chino Hills, baby. You and Levar <laughs> Ball every day between now and draft night. It would be awesome stuff. Awesome as stuff. much as I I like Chino and Chino Hills <laughs> and the it's a it's a beautiful area. Uh, I think that one might be above my – at that point, that's where I start going in and, and asking for uh, a flak jacket and helmets. And if, if I'm going to live with them for two months leading up to the draft, draft night, coming out of the draft, that one – you may have, yeah, that one may be a little much. I think that's when I, I point right at Seku and said I think he wants it. <laughs> that might require hazard pay if yeah. you're going to bunk with the balls between now and draft night. Scott Al Cooper – our draft guru from NBA.com, thank you so much for the insight and for joining us, man. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely be talking to you down the road here between now and draft night to get some more insights, see what this roller coaster does for all of these guys who were projected in the uh, first round of the 2017 NBA draft. Fantastic. Enjoy the madness. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Thanks, Fight Scott. On. Speaking of madness, Lang, how about <laughs> me upsetting the world with a little bragging rights action this week? It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. You actually won a week. It's madness. Yeah. Listen, anytime I can get a 3-0 and week in bragging rights, 
I'm ready to shut it down. I'm like, hey, let's just call it a season. Let's, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take defeat if I get to go out undefeated. Um, I had Bucks over Pacers, yeah. Spurs over Warriors, and the Rockets over the Cavs. Somebody give this man – they the classic Warriors Spurs matchup. Yeah. God take you that week. Yeah, I, 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 I knew to, all along. I talked to Patty Mills and he kind of gave me the heads up. So I I was banking too much, too heavily on Patrick McCaw. Yeah, on, uh, I should have known better <laughs> than to bet on the Warriors bench. Uh, so I'm 24 and 20. Lang, you still got the lead, of course. 26 still two and 18. Um, I feel like this is a Western Conference playoff chase at the bottom. Like I'm, you are the Blazers. I'm the Blazers doing whatever I can to crawl back into this thing. Your Nurkic fueling you. I love Nurkic, by the way. Yes. You got to you got to see this dude up close and personal. How much smack he talks on the court. Oh, cl- love this cat. Love this. He cat. has the best. He has the best origin story probably in the <laughs> NBA. About, love him. Yeah. So, uh, so go. Let, let's go. So this week we're going to start Saturday night. Cavs at Clippers on ABC. Kevin Love could be returning. What do we got? Lord, Lord knows the Clippers need this game more, you know, as bad as any team in the league. They yes. they need quality wins and just wins in general, which is why I'm taking the Cavs. I'll take the Clippers. Let's, let's, let's separate here. Okay. Need then to we're build going in some Sunday. separation. What was that like? I need to build in some separation. <laughs> yeah, good call. Then we're going Sunday, NBA TV, Pacers at Raptors. Mm. Raptors. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Raptors. It's an interesting game, though. Re- rekindling last year's uh, playoff matchup. And Paul George is, is balling right about now. Mm-hmm. Okay, then to Monday, Wizards at Celtics. Oh, funeral game Bring part it. two, huh? I'm going to dress in black for the way I'm going to I'm going on, I'm doing all black everything. <laughs> I'm going to knock Seku out of the bragging rights. I'm going to come dressed casket fresh. I'll take the Wizards. Huh. <sighs> At Boston, right? Yep. Yes. Last time the Wizards embarrassed the Celtics, right? In yes. Washington, right? Yeah, in Washington. And they all wore black and all that. So. I'm going with the home team. I, th- I think the Celtics got to show up and show out this time. So if this goes, you you could uh, <laughs> get a tie for the lead. All or, or, I could be buried, or, or, you could or I could be, be buried, buried alive. alive. <laughs> <laughs> we shall might- see. Might be podcasting in all black next week. Yes, we shall see. You don't know, like this better when bragging rights was a three-person race because then you could always hide behind Rick's pitiful picks. Um, <laughs> all on your own. Now. Don't, you know, we don't have him as a beard anymore. Like you know, to cover uh-huh. up the mess. <laughs> we don't have Echo Fox in the basement. Man, miss that guy sometimes, especially when you're looking at bragging rights. Once again, um, spectacular lineup on the podcast today. Uh, shout out to our main man John Schumann with his. Uh, Almighty Schumann stat that we destroyed this week. Go back to the drawing board, shoe. Come back tougher next week. Um, Scott Howard Cooper, international man of mystery, been all over the globe, uh, but took some time out to join us talking draft prospects. And Should we just have him in bed with Lonzo Ball's dad, with, with the mighty LeVar Ball between now and draft night? Shouldn't he just live with him? And He's a quote machine. They got a five-bedroom house out in Chino Hills. They got room for Coop. Hey, uh, I need to give a shout-out, too. So, uh a guy named Nathan Lee uh, mm-hmm. is a podcast listener. Um, him and another guy, Stephen, hit me up on Twitter uh-huh. about a month ago. And uh, they have a little lunchtime basketball league they play in mm-hmm. in Australia. And their team's called the AT Aliens. <laughs> and they have jerseys that are inspired by the 1980s Hawks. Uh-huh. And uh, 
they sent a Smith and a Whitaker jersey to me. Oh. To, so <laughs> I got one for you. Nice. Uh, nice. But shout out to to our guys in, in Australia. No doubt. Tell them I'll be the eighth man who never gets <laughs> off the bench. I'm retired. Uh, but, yeah, we, we appreciate everybody, as always, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, leave a glowing review, and you'll get a new episode every Thursday throughout this NBA season. We'll see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.